Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord God, we come to you this morning. Lord, we ask that you would mend our country. Mend our flaws. Draw us closer to you. As a people... May we walk close to your heart. As a people of God, may we realize, Lord, the plan that you have for our lives. May we find that path that you have placed us on and recognize, Lord, that your hand is in each and every step. As a people of God, may we share our hope with others. It isn't any more apparent than to these days, Lord, that we live in a world of hopelessness. The things of this world continue to divide and devour, cause anger and strife and frustration, and it continues to bubble over. And yet you are a great and mighty God who directs our paths. Just like the Israelites, you set a plan in front of them. You gave them a direction and you asked them to follow it. May we be like the Israelites in that way. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning's scripture is out of Exodus 13. Now I hope, I hope you had a chance to read. There's a lot between Exodus 3 and 13. Now if you didn't, I can give you the 10 second rundown. There's a bunch of plagues going on between Exodus 3 and 13. Because remember last week we were in Exodus 3 and God comes to Moses in this burning bush and he gives him a plan and he sets it out in front of him and then we just kind of in next week's sermon, right? Well, a lot of things have happened between Exodus 3 and 13. I encourage you to read this, that part. But we are now at the point where they're about to move out. They're about to go. The scripture this morning from Exodus 13, 17 through 22. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country. Though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might, exchange, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around the desert toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He said, God will surely come to your aid and you must carry the bones up with you from this place. After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham at the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them with a pillar in a pillar of a cloud to guide them on their way. And at night in the pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. 
Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of light, fire by night left its place in front of the people. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word as we prepare our hearts this morning to sit around the table. Thank you that your word is still true and fresh and new every morning. Thank you, Lord, that you give us hope to get out of bed and to continue to move along. Lord, let us not take for granted who we are in you. Lest we forget who we were before we met you. We are sinners saved by grace. Let us live in the light of that. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And Lou wants to go to Children's Church. Hey, I don't know if there's anybody who can count past 10, uh, but I have a sign on my thing that reminds me. If you can count past 10 and would like to count the people here in first service, that would be great. Uh, we haven't done that since we came back. <laughs> so if someone in the back wants to count to 10 and either give me the number or give it to Ann or however we get it would be great. And the balcony, yeah, I can count. Yeah. True story. I'm taking that off. It's hot in here. Got a hot message? Good morning. How are you guys this morning? I can tell there's a lot of people at camping. <laughs> there's a lot of people camping this weekend, and that's okay. I, I'm, I'm told it's one of, the, uh, one of the few things we can do. And so people are out enjoying a fire much like that fire. You may remember that uh, last week we started a series called Rekindled, where we're looking at God's use of fire in Exodus and uh, the way he shows his power to his people to remind them how they should respond. And it's still the same way today, how we should respond. You may remember last week we talked about the burning bush in Exodus chapter Three. Remember when Moses is just out doing his thing, uh, taking care of the sheep, and all of a sudden this bush is burning, it's on fire, uh, he doesn't, it doesn't burn up, it's still there, and he goes, he has this curiosity to find out what's going on. He goes over and realizes that it's holy ground that he's standing on, and he answers God's call in his life. Remember, up until now, he'd been 40 years uh, chasing sheep around. Probably gotten pretty used to that. And God says, all right, I'm going to change the, we're going to change gears on you, uh, Moses. For 40 years, you've been chasing sheep, but now I'm going to give you a different kind of sheep. And I'm going to ask you to take these sheep to the promised land. I don't know about you, but I, he upped the ante a bunch in Moses' life. Moses probably had to use the same stick that he hooked the sheep with with God's people as well. Hopefully you've had a chance to read in between because a lot of things have happened. Because from when that happened to when Moses actually led them out, a lot of things happened in the middle of that. Those ten plagues. 
one more difficult than the other, more difficult than the other, until Pharaoh finally softened his heart or had hardened it so much that he said, heck with it and get out of here, right? Get out of here. I've had enough of you. Well, today we're at that spot where God is beginning to lead his people out. And again, he uses fire to remind his people who he is. And it reminds me, and I ask myself this question, how do I rekindle my faith? We have been in a very difficult time, and I know that a lot of people's faith has been shaken. A lot of people's faith is, uh, has been challenged because we haven't done the things we've been doing forever. For a lot of us, we've been coming to this church, and we never miss 10 weeks of our life. Some, some, of these, some of these people were born here and within a week or two were in this church and have been coming since. So coming, not coming for 10 weeks has been traumatic for some people. Not being able to be out has been traumatic. Watching the news has been traumatic. And in some ways our faith has been challenged. How do we do our faith in the midst of this world who maybe isn't all for our faith like we've thought it has been. I think we've lived in this, uh, this, in my opinion, misunderstanding that this was a Christian nation, one nation under God. And we have lived in that laziness in some ways. We have lived in that reality that we just have to do just enough because... They have our back. And I've said it for years that I believe that the, the pendulum is turning. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think that's something that um, is going to magically change tomorrow. I do believe that we live in a country that maybe isn't one nation under God. Even though it began there. We're living in a, a very vastly different nation than we used to. And so that forces us, church, to step up. To not to assume that church will always be here. To not to assume that we can just come when we want and not be uh, involved in our faith. That if I skip 10 weeks, it'll just be there when I get back. Nobody cares anyway. God will be there when I'm done. Uh, this understanding of cheap grace. That somehow... The sacrifice wasn't as important as it should be in our lives. Someone died for your salvation. You were bought at a price. We need to live with that on our minds. There's nowhere in Scripture where it says it's going to be happy and fun and all joy and... Um, light and fluffy unicorns and rainbows. The Christian faith will be challenging. And if you look at history and you look at other places today, those who, where Christianity is flourishing the most are those areas where it's illegal, where there is no Christian nation. And I can't help but think, I wonder if we'll ever get to that spot. We've been 
squeeze just a little bit and we're feeling that pressure already. All that being said, we need to rekindle our faith. We need to recognize that God is still working and alive and well. And that we have a responsibility to take our faith seriously. God's people in this passage are moving out. They're going to the promised land. They're headed to the promised land. Poor Moses. Oh, I forgot to mention Aaron was in that part too. So Aaron's in that passage between Exodus 3 and 13. He kind of comes on the scene to be Moses' spokesman. There's some really interesting story in there when God and Moses are talking. If you get a chance... God is to the point where he wants to smite, as the King James Version says, Moses. That's an interesting conversation between God and Moses. God's had enough. He says, fine, I'll give you your brother. Today's passage is God taking his people to the promised land. We know that in the process, it takes another 40 years, right? Around the horn we go, around the horn we go. But God had the perfect design. Did you see in verse uh, 17 and 18? Whoops. We're going to follow God's design. Sorry, I'm behind. I didn't have this last week. I was confused. Verses 17 and 18 in the passage we looked at, it says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them to the land of the Philistines, although it was near. For God thought if the people face war, they may change their minds and return to Egypt. Does that not sound like us as people? If I let them go the shortest way, what's going to happen? Surely they'll run into something that doesn't, they don't like and they'll turn around. So what does he do? He gives them this pillar of fire and clouds. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But he gives them this, this thing. He says, follow this. Don't go down the road like I like the road from here to there, A to B is shortest. But don't go that way. Follow the cloud. Why? Because as soon as you run into someone or something or something doesn't go well, you're going you're gonna to cry. You're going to cry out and you're going to want to go back to Egypt. And I don't want you to go back to Egypt. I can't help but think about all of our lives and the plan that God has and how he's laid it out. And never or very rarely in in faith walks, do you see a straight line. And people don't like it, right? If there's one thing that people don't like about faith, it's the fact that why does God make me do A, B, C, and D before I can get to where I need to get to? Why doesn't he just give me the shortest version, the shortest path to get to where he wants me? You see why? Because as soon as you face one thing, you might turn around. And so he gives you a path that works for you. Now, I guarantee you that there was someone in the Israelite army or in the Israelite people that had a AAA membership. You know those people, do you not? We know those people. You think it's funny, but they had AAA membership, right? And they're like, well, I have all the th- we have all the highlights that... We might as well hit on the way there. The path, I got the map from AAA, and there's no construction if we go straight from A to B. You know those people exist, right? 
They always have a better way. There's nothing wrong with those people, right? Because sometimes I do that too. Where it runs into a problem is when it gets in the way of God's plan. So people who are organized and have great tour books and are able to vacation and make the best out of something, that's not a bad problem. But they also do that sometimes in their faith. Sometimes in their faith, they say, well, obviously I can micromanage God so he understands what I need and I don't have to go the long way. Do you realize that your plan, your path set in front of you was designed by God? That means there are hard things. That means there are things that challenge your faith. That means there are things you don't like. Me neither. I promise you that Becky did not like having uh, the wound on her leg for a year. But did you hear what she said in the midst of her praise? I didn't like it all, but I learned some things. And something good came from it. Did you catch that? That's sometimes hard to say, is it not? When you're walking the long path. I'd like to take the shortest route from A to B, God. No, I want you to take the long way. What it comes down is this. God has a plan. Do you trust him? So many times in our life, we have gone through something that was hard, that was uh, was tough and difficult and challenging in our life for a reason. And I always tell people, it's at the moment that you can find a way to make good of that. That you can share your faith in the midst of that challenging moment that it really does come full circle and be redeemed. When you lose someone that's extremely important to you, that's hard. But when you lose someone that's extremely important to you and at some point you can come full circle and share in someone else's pain, when they lose someone they care about just as much as you cared, then it's redeemed. One of my favorite things about grief share that I love is that's what it does. It begins to work you through the process of grief to help you to move in a direction where you can understand and still minister to people. It doesn't take away the pain. But it redeems some of the, the problems and pain in our life. Some of the biggest, most powerful testimonies I've ever heard were those who have been through so much and are able to find God in the midst of that and have hope and share that hope. Follow God's design for your life. It will not be a to be shortest path. I spent yesterday afternoon with a friend of mine. And uh, last year, unbeknownst to us, we went to have lunch together with my friend and her new boyfriend. My friend has been married and uh, divorced, had a very uh, rough divorce. And uh, for about the last three years, we've been talking. 
She's a school friend, so she's from Pittsburgh. And she said, God keeps telling me that I need to take another chance. That, that he desires for me to be in a relationship. And she said, I'm to the age now where I don't want to do it. I'm done with that plan. I'm happy to live the rest of my life the way I am single. I'm good. And it was a process. She, we would talk about it, and she would be like, God keeps telling me to do this, and I don't want to do it. And finally, last year, she brings up a guy, and she doesn't want to even like him. Her words, not mine. She said, I can't find anything wrong with this guy. So she brings him up to have lunch with us, <laughs> see if we can find something wrong with him. <laughs> that's, that's the truth. <laughs> she would tell you that if she was here. We have lunch together, and she's like, is he okay? Is he a creeper? You know, is he, what is going, you know, is he going to, uh, you know. And I say, I, well, I can't find anything wrong with him either. Kind of like him. <laughs> Yesterday we had lunch together, uh, what is now a tradition. We go to Pine Junction on July 4th, and they're married. And she's happy, and he's happy. And she jokingly said, I so didn't want this for my life. I was so hurt the first time, I didn't want to give God a second chance. I didn't want to give God a second chance. She said, I, the first marriage I had was a mess. And it just seemed easier to not do that. And yet God continually was telling me to give him a chance to work in my life. And yesterday, we, she jokingly said, she said, you know, I just can't believe the difference a year makes. And I told him, I said, yeah, she, she tried to give me this whole sheet of things I had to find wrong with you, and I couldn't find anything wrong with you. And so I had to tell her you were okay, and I liked you. See, I think we want God to be a nice math equation. We want God's plan to be one plus two equals three. We like math, right? For some of us, we love math because it works. One plus two will always equal three. Here's the problem. We don't need God to do one plus two equals three, do we? No, we need God to do uh, five fishes and a couple loaves equals 5,000. And more food left over than we had originally. That's God's plan. God's design for our life. That's challenging for us. We need to give him a chance. I need to keep moving. Come on now, kids. I'm going to keep you here till 11. The second thing we need to do is learn patience. I don't know if you caught that part. It, uh, it's just one sentence in there, um, but it's actually uh, really a big sentence. It says, And Moses took with him the bones of Joseph, who, who had exacted an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will be sure to take notice of you, then you shall carry up my bones. Do you remember when we talked um, a while back about how they buried people back in uh, in the time of the Israelites? They would put them, they would roll that stone away, they'd put them inside this chamber, close the doors until they quit stinking, 
right? And then they would take the bones into the second room and they'd set the bones in a pile. And so they literally would set the bones in a pile and they had piles of bones. And Joseph, when he's getting ready to die, says, I know that God will take you out of Egypt. Even though I'm going to die before that happens. I know that God's going to take you out of Egypt. So here's the oath I want you to make. When he takes you out of Egypt, be sure to pick my bones up on the way out. Promise me that you'll bury my bones in the promised land. Mind you, it didn't happen in Joseph's life. God's people needed to learn patience. And we'll go back to the hall of the hall of faith again in Hebrews 11. And it says, it was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, confidently spoke of God's bringing the people of Israel out of Egypt. He was so sure of it, he commanded them to carry his bones out when they left. Church, we're terrible at being patient. We're awful at being patient. We live in a world of now, 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 now. And we think God's not working if He's not talking to us today. Or if He doesn't have an answer this moment when I need an answer. We live in a world where text is back and forth all the time. And we forget that God is still working in our lives. Romans 12 says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Let me read you something, even though we're out of time. We're almost out of time. We're over time. You ain't got anywhere to go. It's not lunch till noon. Revelation 21. I want you to, if you get your Bible up, feel free to open it. I want to remind you what's coming. Just like Joseph and his bones. There will be a time, he says, when you will be out of Egypt and into the promised land. Don't forget it. Let me read to you Revelation 21. You've probably heard people say a lot of times, go to the end of the book. Let me read you a glimpse of the end of the book. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city of of the new Jerusalem coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard the loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among his people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and he will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things that passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for the words are trustworthy and true. He said, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And he said to me, it is done. 
Church, do you realize that this is already done? It's waiting for us. Don't give up hope in the temporary things, no matter what they say on TV, no matter what happens in this world we live in. This is done. A new Jerusalem, a new heaven, and a new earth. This will not be forever. There are better things to come. And just like Joseph realized that God's people would be in a new place, we too will be in a new place. Finally, we need to pay attention to the turns. Did you catch that, the countdown timer when it says recalculating? Recalculating. A lot of times what happens is we go past the place we're supposed to go. We forget to pay attention to the turns. We get in a hurry. We think we know better. And we quit following the fire pillar of fire and the cloud of smoke. Probably looks a whole lot more like that. One dog illustration, just because I spend a lot of time with the dogs in the last. If you ever had a puppy, you know how that goes, right? Every five minutes to the door. I don't think he has to go every five minutes. I think it's a joke, but I, don't, I can't tell. He doesn't talk. One of my dogs has a clue, right? He knows how it works. One of my dogs doesn't. One of them pays attention, and the other one just kind of lives by whatever happens to be at the whim of that moment. I think a lot of times we get on the path where God is leading us, but we forget to make the turns we know full well He is directing us to. We're like, no, no, I don't want to take that right turn. Why would I take that right turn? God, that doesn't make sense, and I don't understand, so I'm just going to keep doing what I was going to do. And we forget to pay attention and hear God's voice and react to that voice. And what do we do? We get lost. We get stuck. Pretty soon we're off the path. Right back to doing our own thing. And then you know what we do? We blame God. God, you're not working in my life anymore. And, and I just wonder if he doesn't sit up there and say, recalculating, recalculating. Recalculating. He's like, I put it out in front of you. You knew what it was. You made a decision to do your own thing. And you expect me to bless that? This is one spot in Scripture where the Israelites listen. They follow the pillar. I, I, I don't know why. I mean, they, they made a lot of bad choices, but they followed the pillar pillar of fire and cloud of smoke. And there's something for us to learn that we need to follow God's plan. All right, for the some of you are already working on trying to how to get to the middle because I know some of you are already figuring that out, right? You're already your eyes are already working like how do I get in there? Our hearts are amazed uh, much like that. And there's only one 
one person who can figure out that maze. And his name is Jesus Christ. He took it to the cross for our hearts, for our lives, for our eternity. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your love of us this morning. For your word that reminds me that in the dark and cold and lonely moments in our life, that you are still there. That Lord, we watch peop- the, your people in, in Scripture day after day, time after time, seek your face and find your blessing. Lord, for those this morning who don't know what that blessing is, haven't experienced eternal life the way you would have us to experience it. Lord, we have an opportunity, a chance to rectify that problem. Lord, may we be a people with soft hearts, open hearts to change. In your name we pray. Amen.